suppose I kind of picked up guitar through my cousin when he was about, he was three years older than me and he was learning guitar and I kind of wanted to do the same thing as about 12 year old or so. Then I went, went and I was going into first year in high school in Clambell and got like, I don't know, was it five or 10 lessons off a teacher in there called Tom Kana who kind of just taught me how to basically got me on the road so I could start teaching myself. So after that, you kind of just start looking up songs and trying to figure things out. And was that guitar lessons? That was guitar lessons, yeah. but at the same time, I was I was always singing, you know, so it was, um, I'd probably consider myself more of a singer than a guitarist. Okay, yeah. So it's, uh, it, but they both kind of came hand in hand at the same time. So that worked quite well for a while and that led me on to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to the next thing. And here we are, 16, 18 years later, still still at it, picking yeah. away. Um, Actually longer, even. Yeah, it's mad when you when you start counting up the years, mm. you're like, starts making you feel old, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and um, did you, were you like one of the kids in school who did all the musical theatre shows and that kind of thing, or did you go a different route? Well, I, my primary school was a, was a small little school with only probably less than 100 in the whole school in Kilcash, um, just the bottom of Shilhaman. And they had a, what was it, Oliver Twist. I remember being Mr. Bumble in that for Oliver Twist singing, uh, One boy, boy for sale. That all sticks <laughs> that in was... my mind. But yeah, then in high, in high school in Clumbell, that went into uh, back to the 80s. So I had a, a, a small speaking role and yeah. singing, uh, singing songs with maybe one or two kind of solo songs. So I wasn't the lead roles or anything, but I was always heavily involved in it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And when you were in school, did you have any any band or anything like that? Was there any kind of outlet for doing that kind of thing when you were in school? Um, <clears throat> I suppose first kind of band that comes to mind when I when I'm thinking of of gigging, like actually going out and playing some gigs live, because it was always kind of solo. You know, did my first live gig at fourteen or so. Yeah. But um, then I'd say it was maybe. 18, 19, around that age, possibly a, a little older when I was asked to join this band as a, as a singer and rhythm guitarist. They were called uh, Wig on Wolves, kind of a few lads from, from Clamel. Wig on Wolves, terrible I name. It. I know, terrible no, name. I like it. I like it. Anything <laughs> but, with animals in it is good for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, um, so yeah, we kind of did a few gigs and that, that was my first kind of uh, step into playing with a band and other fellow musicians. Deadly, yeah. I, I know when I was in school, I I really looked up to all the people who were in bands, but like none of my f- direct friends were like really into bands and that kind of thing. They were they were more musical theatre, and they didn't like any of the same music as me. So I kind of I didn't really discover like the music I'm into now until kind of a bit later until I left school. But I remember like there used to be kind of a regular event on in the art centre, local art centre, where they'd have young bands be able to come and play like Battles of the Bands and things like that. Cool. And yeah. I used to love it. Like I used to, I know, I don't know if you know, um, do you know Sive? Sive. She's got red hair. She's like up from Kildare area. <coughs> I don't think so. She's like a kind of a folk <laughs> artist. She's really, really good. You should check her out. But she was in a band called the Eyes of Hells. They were like a three-piece girl band. <laughs> like, they were like performing like kind of punk rocky stuff. Like, do you know a band called um, the, the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Sorry, are you okay there? You're yeah, I, sw- I swallowed water down the wrong side, so I'm starting to cough. You're grand, you're grand. <coughs> no bother. Apolog- apologies, not I can COVID, feel a bit worry. of a frog in my throat as well. I know, yeah. Every time you have any bit of a sniffle at all, you're like... I'm trying to hide it. That yeah. makes it worse then. 
<laughs> but yeah, I like really looked up to to those bands, but I didn't kind of start my own band until I was around twenty. Like so, where where was your where was your school? It was up in um, Newbridge in the Holy Family in, up in Kildare. Okay. Yeah, so I'm from. So, Kildare. what was your first gig and experience around the age twenty then? Like I remember when I was around maybe fifteen, sixteen, or something. We, oh, I was in transition year, so I must have been sixteen. And we decided to put on like um, like a, a live kind of event gig. Um, there was any kind of lo- the local bands came and played at it, and and I actually I, I wrote songs like when I was in school, like I had cool. songs written, but I just never had a band to perform them with. And so I put a band together for this show, and we were like bloody blazing <laughs> squad on the stage. Like I swear, it was about ten of us. We had Jesus, we went all out. Nice. But um, that was like my first experience playing in a band. But I just, I don't know, I just, it just didn't kind of continue. And then I picked it up again when I was about 20. So you're lucky that you you kind of got into that. Yeah, I, I do consider myself very lucky to have the, had the, just the guts to, to, just to go up and play guitar and sing a few tunes, no matter what it might be, you know, whatever way it turned out. But I was lucky, I had a positive experience and just kept me going from there, I suppose. And were you writing from a young age? Because I know, like, if anyone doesn't know Rory, he is a songwriter. He he he, he gigs as a as a um, cover musician as well, and he also releases his own his own music too, which is really cool. But yeah, um, when did I you get into that? I don't know, about twelve, I started writing songs. Yeah, <clears throat> um, I was the same actually. <laughs> excuse me, so I was to take. Do you want to do you want to like um, mute yourself and just take a big cough? It's <laughs> probably the best thing to do. Is like <clears throat> exactly. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, well, okay. I think he's ready. That's, there that's we go. A bit, better, a bit better now. <laughs> that's all right. I know, I know the feeling, trust me. Oh. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I started about 12 years old, um, kind of just doing the old, listening to other folk songs and what they're kind of like. And, you know, you kind of just like, I suppose, a good example of someone who started writing that way was Damien Dempsey. Um, yeah. I heard he started like just taking all the Bob Dylan songs and he would just take all the chord structures and the melody and everything and he would just put his own words to it then you know but um my I didn't exactly go down that route but I didn't really know what I was doing but I was just forming these full songs I have like you know thousands of songs in all these little booklets and yeah. things from way back when but like some terrible terrible stuff of course but uh, it's still fun to look back on them. You have to write uh, a lot of shit to get to the good stuff, a, right? A lot of shit, <laughs> a lot of shit. And you keep writing shit too. Yeah, yeah, it's you just you, part of the process. Yeah, yeah. You, don't, you can't just come out with gold all the time, you know? Do you rarely, remember the... Rarely even. That, sorry? Rarely even. You can just come out, even nowadays, you still mm-hmm. got to keep writing the, the, a lot of average stuff before you get to some stuff you really feel worthy of throwing out into the world, you know? Yeah, well, it's. I guess it's like... Um, it's something that you have to exercise, isn't it? And write regularly exactly. and... It's a craft. It's a craft, yeah. yeah. You spend a lot of time kind of perfecting that craft and, you know, learn, taking things from your life experience and allowing that to kind of mould your songwriting style and the kind of what you, what, what you want to write about and that kind of thing. And has when, you, when you were writing, were you mm. writing with an instrument? I played I played keyboard ever since I was about two like but I but like badly like you know <laughs> I never really I never got like lessons or anything I never bothered kind of I never saw myself as an instrumentalist I only saw myself as a singer so I used the keyboard to write like chord progressions and I literally was just banging down block chords and then I remember when I first start the very first um band rehearsal I had with the band 
that ended up being called She Speaks and we released the album and all that. I remember like I had my keyboard and I just like banged down those black chords and I was like trying to describe to him like the aesthetic that I wanted because I obviously didn't play any other instruments. Like I was like, yeah. I want the guitar to go like this and yeah. like, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. And that was fun. Like that was like when I the first time I heard the whole band playing my song, I was like, this is amazing. So cool. Do you know? Quite a surreal experience. Do you remember the first time you you showed someone one of your songs and do you remember how they reacted? Um, <clears throat> I think my, my sister is probably one of the one of the first people or well, me and my cousin who, who showed me songs was we were the first ones to kind of start challenging each other to do certain things, you know, write a write a rap song or write write a certain style yeah. or whatever it was. But um I remember I would have played some songs to my sister before and she recently reminded me that, uh, which I, I don't remember it because I was so young, but yeah. she, she's told me about how she, we once kind of wrote together. And so she was trying her hand at doing the lyrics as well. And I basically just told her she was shit. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I said, I'm going to go my own way now. You're if you just don't mind. honest. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no, she, but they were, anyone I at that age, they're normally going to be very supportive and try and bring, bring keep bringing out the best of you. So I, w- I was quite lucky with my family and, my parents and everyone around me was always, even up to this day, are still so extremely supportive. Well, especially seen as my father is a, an artist. So, I, oh I, yeah, Stephen was I, actually I, only telling me about that recently. I didn't know. I, I don't know his work at all. Yeah, you can see it on, on a lot of stuff online. I think. What's Own, his name? Own, Own, so E O I N or Eugenio is the Italian version he likes to go by. Oh, very fancy. For for art, yeah. Exotic. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so you can see ondel.com, E-O-I-N-D-E-L.com. You might see a lot of his, a lot of, you know, real life essays, sculptures, all this kind of stuff, like, you know. That's interesting. So, you know, the way people always ask us, like us meaning musicians. So did you come from a musical family? Not at all. No, no, there's not, there's not really any music in my family, um, apart from just a few uh, singers at, 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 late nights you know yes. but Family even, that, even that's rare enough like you know it's at this moment it'd probably be only me and maybe one cousin or if there's a big big group of us very few who will actually be end up singing a few tunes so yeah it's a it's a it's interesting there is art in my family but yeah not not music so much how about yourself there's a creative streak there um my mom and dad and nobody in my family were were musicians apart from I don't know if you're into trad music at all, but my mother's first cousin is a guy called Jerry O'Connor. He would be quite famous in the trad world. He's a he's a banjo player and a fiddle player. Now, he would have had no direct influence on me because I didn't know him really growing up. I would have met him the odd time at kind of family gatherings and funerals and that kind of thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually had the pleasure of singing with him. Um, well, it was a, a weird time to have the pleasure of singing when it was for a, uh, it was funeral. At a funeral, a family funeral. But um yeah. It was a lovely experience to to play with him because he is, you know, so renowned in his area. But other than that, no, like I, I just have to say the same as you, like my parents were very supportive of me. Like they just like they really they drove me to every audition I went to. They, they drove me to any show rehearsals. They encouraged me to like take part in things, you know. So um, it was they really made me feel like a little superstar. I think that's kind of important, isn't it? I mean, when you're when you're young, confidence. Like, yeah, definitely. You, you kind of need that support because I know um, there's some families who might not view like anything in the kind of creative world as kind of like a real job. And I suppose they worry that 
you know, will my child have a good life if they go down this route? But at the end of the day, money, it matters to an extent, but I think happiness is the most important thing. And that sounds kind of, kind of cliche, but it's, it's so true. Yeah. You know, I, you just have to I, give in to what makes you happy in the end, don't you? I strongly agree. Um, whether it be kind of contentment rather than, than happiness nearly, you know, it's yeah. a, a search for, for meaning, meaning, I think more, um, maybe more meaning than happiness is, is yeah. kind of what, what brings me happiness, but it'll also bring a whole lot of other emotions along with it at the same time. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, with the father being in that situation all his life there, it was, they never, they weren't so much supportive in the fact of pushing me into doing this or pushing mm-hmm. me into doing that. <clears throat> they always just kind of let me do what I want and, were supportive in that sense you know so when I wanted to be a, a musician a stupid stupidly and uh be a, a poor struggling artist yeah <laughs> but uh yeah I'm, I'm grateful for it I'm I'm still delighted you know I don't know if you agree with this or not but like in a sense part of that is true like sometimes we are struggling financially but it it really comes down to kind of as you say meaning what me, what's important to you and what makes you happy um, did you ever work on the other jobs? Did you ever work a retail job or anything like that? Yeah, I have. I have done my hand at most things kind of growing up. Like, so I've, I've had, I worked in call centers, which I, I think is very good for anyone to do in, at any point in their life. Um, I was technical support for like broadband and phones. So I was helping people do, with that kind of thing. Why so? Of, why, why, why you kind of had just a Just for them to, them to be able to, to understand like the, the those kind of people how stressful and tough those jobs can be and when you're actually calling in into those situations I will always be extremely pleasant to someone even after yeah. even air like I, I hate hate the company air but I have them with my phone because <laughs> you're, you're always waiting for like two hours to get through to someone because there's mm. just no one working for them anymore and uh so like but when I got through eventually I was really nice to the person they sorted me out the problem because I understand that they're constantly getting berated by abuse and abuse so it's, yeah it's just something you got to keep in mind you know I've done the retail I worked in I worked in off license worked in um framing shops um but i i've i've maybe over the past 10 15 years i've done a couple of years worth of jobs but i've always had the the music as the mm-hmm. side or now as in the last good few years it's it's my main job you know i'm lucky enough to i'm sustaining myself through music and it's it's how i make my main income is is playing gigs or and things like that. So I'm extremely lucky in that sense. And I, I, I understand how yeah. how grateful I need to be for, for being able to do that, you know. Definitely. And like everything that you do in life, you know, kind of molds you and you can learn from. So even those crappy retail jobs that we, we might may not like when we're in them or whatever the job may be, like you learn something from them. You learn things like hard work and respect for other people and respect for yourself and lots of different things. So Absolutely. Yeah. It's all it's all um part of it. So tell me, Rory, when did you first put your band together? When was like the which, which, that which, setup? Which, ba- which band? Okay, yeah, you probably had a, had a loads of different line lineups had, over the yeah, years. Yeah, so I've had like kind of so most most commonly I play solos, but then I've had duos or three pieces, four or five pieces, and then original bands and stuff. So yeah, yeah. And so from when you're doing your your original gigs, so would you play as a solo artist mainly? No, I suppose more original ones now. I I kind of put together a a, a super group of sorts, like you know, yeah. kind of an ensemble. Mix, <clears throat> yeah, pick and mix mm. the the best musicians I can find around. Around, you know, so 
I'm very lucky to have some of like unbelievable people playing my music, and it always makes the tracks that it takes it to a different level, you know. So my my yeah. gig solo, and I normally do uh, cover gigs like on a Friday or Saturday. That that get, keeps me going. But then if I want to have a really good night where maybe I might not make any money, but I might be able to pay the pay the band and. Um, maybe I'll make a, cu- a couple of quid off selling a few CDs or something, but it's the experience of having that six or seven piece band playing your own original music to mm. however many people every time. It's 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 the most special of all the gigs. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I've chatted to a few people about like the difference <clears throat> between performing like as a solo act and then having a band around you. And like usually people say there's elements of both that they like, but they usually say about there's something really magical about getting in a room with people who embrace your creations and mm. help you um, evolve them into these really interesting and broad and like deep they, tracks. They, like they actually become part of the mm. creation. You know, they're, they yeah. create stuff themselves within it, which is for, mo- for the most part they usually do, which is great. Like absolutely super. Yeah, and and um, I I know back in the, in the really early days of when I first started a band, I, I was I felt really protective over my songs, and it, when I finally embraced the whole idea of collaboration, I was like blown away with the results. And guess what happened? We wrote an album. So, you know, and like it took a good few years for to find the right people that kind you kind of click with in that way. Sometimes you kind of end up with people that you just might not click on a musical level but when you do find that lineup it's just it's so special and it's like it's a real it's like they're like your other family almost aren't they yeah. when you're in a band very true yeah uh, you said she said was was that your band that you there was a band with? called she said actually but we were called she speaks she speaks yeah oh i know yeah because she said are from cork aren't they but they they dissolved recently enough yeah band. but she speaks are they uh when you were in your kind of twenties, you did that and wrote an album together was it yeah like we released the album in 2016 actually so the band was together for about uh, eight or nine years but we only wrote the the newest lineup of the band was the band's members that we wrote the album with cool. so for the last three years of us being together we actually we ended up breaking up just after the album released um because as you know yourself there can be a lot of tension among bands and personal things come in and people can't commit anymore and True, yeah. you know that kind of thing so what happened so it was quite devastating for me actually at the time it was almost like a breakup mm. i remember um it took me a good while to get over that my band wasn't happening anymore do you know do you feel I'm such a such a big part of your life and every mm. every there as you said a second family like i yeah. I, I had that with uh with a band called cara um mm. where from back in in Kalaista Stefan Nefa in Cork when I first came out of high school that's where I did that music sound and management course and I met this guy called Simon Daly um goes by Namas now as an artist a super, yeah. superb um guitarist songwriter producer just a really really great musician and a really good friend so four or five years after we had finished that course he got in touch with me and asked me if I wanted to go tour a bit in in America and drove a kind of Paddy's Day period so the two of us kind of went over and we had such a great time and the energy was just so amazing. We had such, like over there, the, there's so much music and it's so vast that I think the quality kind of dips quite a lot. We kind of did the tri-state area around Pennsylvania, kind of that mm-hmm. that kind of place, Philadelphia mainly. Yeah. But so when we when they 
saw us who not to brag but we were we were playing very very good music good quality yeah yeah you know and we were rocking out and he was doing these massive solos and I was we were both drinking and smoking and getting into it and having a great great time but everyone watching us was just like their their reaction to us was was amazing you know they're all blown away but so then when we went back again next year we brought um this guy called Warren Tybe who's a great bass player uh, three of us had great gigs and we ended up bringing in a drummer called Connor Sloan, a brilliant little drummer and then we ended up next year bringing in, a well it's less than a year away bringing in this guy called Jake Kaliach a uh, keyboard player and, and a singer and a songwriter mm. um, himself as well so then that five piece became this band called Cara, which is just um, Great name a, for a that, really, It was, yeah, it was after mm. he, I got a f- voicemail from, from Simon one time about, we were trying to come up with a name for the band and he was drinking this bottle of wine and it was actually, so it was K-A-A-R-A rather than Mokhara, okay, okay. as in not the C. Mm. But it was a, an old Aztec saying for basically everybody was the same, you, you, no matter your skin colour or everything like that, everyone we're was just, just friend. Exactly. Yeah. So I like that sentiment and, and yeah, I said we'll go for it. But yeah, that, that, that five piece band was together for two three years you know we had a super super time but then and some great gigs and we released some mu- music together original music and videos but then we uh with drummer like moved away to Lanzarote um and slowly but slowly kind of it dissolves in that sense when one person goes away it's it was such a close-knit group that we we didn't I don't think we really wanted to keep going you know yeah. so we just kind of dissolved and we're all doing our own little things in music now so it's still good so great friends but yeah that's just the way it works sometimes I suppose yeah it's funny because um we were the same like when when my band broke up it just didn't feel like I I actually tried to find um a new lineup for the band um, for about a year maybe after the band broke up and I had auditioned I got a really good bass player um, called Mark Dempsey he plays in a couple of rock bands up in Dublin and he's a kind of a session player and Darrow O'Hare is a drummer I don't know if you know that guy either they're both a bit older than me now but they're amazingly talented and I was really really lucky to have them and they hung on with me and they they like um, helped me audition lots of guitarists but I, I, I just I just I couldn't get a guitarist that just it felt right with. So I was like, I need to leave this project behind. I need to, you know, maybe look towards doing something new. So mm. it's, and what, I think, what, what did you go on to? I still haven't put together an original band. So that was, I suppose it was 2016 when I, when the band broke up. So it was in 2017 sometime when I started trying to put the band together. Actually, it was probably later than that because for a good while, as I said, I was in grieving. I was grieving that my band was, was, yeah. um, was broke up, if I'm honest. So I think it could have been a year, if not more. And then I started the search for the band, got the two lads, and then went for about a year auditioning guitarists. So, um, and then, yeah, actually, you, you kind of start going into more the kind of setting up the vocal studio and the teaching side of aspect and all that kind of thing. Yeah, it's funny because um, I... Like I worked in retail for years and years and years. That was kind of like my real job. I've said this in a a couple of the other chats with people. Um, But then I, there was something that wasn't quite sitting with me with the retail. I I really loved parts of it. I loved elements of it. But I just was something missing. I needed to go back to music. So I ended up meeting Stephen, um, Stephen McGrath. Great bass player. Yes, great bass player from Crow Black Chicken. And it kind of happened just at the right time where I was moving to Clonmel to live with him. And he said to me, why don't you 
go for the whole singing teacher thing and I was like but I, I don't know like I'm not sure like I don't know how to go about it so from there I started my my training the teacher training and different things and kind of started growing the teaching and I, I really focused a lot more on the teaching do you teach yourself actually um only when people ask me I have a yeah a, a couple of had a couple of uh acoustic guitar um students um I've never actually taught uh, singing except for a couple so when when someone asks me for some advice and stuff, I'll, yeah. I'll give them some tips and just, you know, posture and all this kind of stuff. Or, mm-hmm. But um, I can I, will, I wouldn't say I, I have done a whole lot of it, nor near to the level of yourself, say, for example, you know. Yeah, I feel I, I don't know about you, but like I know there's something else that we can talk about is um, you decided at some point along the along the line to go and do your vocal grades and you did them yeah. with Liam, wasn't it? With yeah, um, in the Cork Academy of Music, Ryan Morgan, um, I did it with. Is it the? Jeez, it's not. I, AB, Royal, it's either AB or SM or the Royal Music oh, yeah, Academy or something yeah, like that. Those, you know? Yeah, or London College, um, College of Music was it musical theatre or more classical? It was. I think it was the, the yeah it wasn't so much classical no it was pop yeah. pieces so it was kind of rock school I think is actually the technical oh, was okay. what it called rock school. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that that. That was a good experience. I I had done it before in in Colossia Stefan Nefau when I was just out of, out of, out of school, two thousand and nine or ten, and that uh, that was like grade three, grade four, and then when I went to the started the Cork Academy of Music in up in the North Man about two years ago, um, they pushed me to do the same thing. So I mm-hmm. I kind of just did grade five and. Your man Ryan said, "Let's just do grade eight. I think you're able for it." So oh, wow. I just went and like I I went and did the grade eight. And I got a, a distinction in it, and good, I, I was like, "But I, I I still don't consider myself a grade eight singer, you know?" Yeah. Um, and that's because I don't have all the every scale along the way because I was able to jump so much grades and. I was able to sing the song so well and uh, you, once yeah. you know the, like you can cheat the system so well, you know, I can get almost 100% yeah. but without getting into some of the real nitty and gritty stuff, which is unfortunate, I think, but it's still a nice thing to be able to say, oh, if we have an old grade eight. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think it's brilliant. And I'm sure that it's really helped kind of mould your technique and help your voice last when you've been gigging a lot. Like, like how much would you be, how much were you gigging when you were kind of gigging yeah. regularly? Um, she's I, I I could have been doing five or six some uh, five, five gigs a week sometimes. Really? You know? Wow. Um, but now it's more. Now I am lucky. I'm one of the few people I know who is still gigging at the moment. Um, yeah. So I I am keeping that one. Hello, it's a lot less money than it was before. Oh um, God, It's yeah. still it's still I'm still consider myself very lucky to be one of the people who still have some kind of an income through it and be able to play too you know there's a stage there for three four months where I wasn't able to play gigs so that was a, a great mm. relief to be able to start playing again every week it's it's cathartic in a way you know totally I love that word cathartic and it's come up over and over again in quite different conversations like mm. and I think for for any creative person and even I suppose for people who maybe aren't into the creative side of things but maybe are more like sports or whatever else other activity is when you don't have your outlet it can be very depressing. It can be, it can really bring you down. It kind of, it's like you need that outlet to kind of feel like you're you. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Outlet's a good word for it too. Yeah. It's a uh, getting, getting the feelings out of you. Yeah. It's like, um, it's therapy in a way, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, let me see. Tell me a little bit about your performance 
performing experience abroad? Um, abroad. So I told you about going to the States. Um, let's see, more recent, excuse me, more recent ones. Um, you were, you were due to tour this year, weren't you? But it got cancelled because of COVID. Yeah, I went, yeah. I went over to, to South Africa and, um, I actually did get, go over there because we, all the gigs were still going ahead and, mm. It wasn't even in South Africa at that stage, so right. we we ended up going over, but then we cancelled the gigs ourselves, and we said we'll just come back and and do it again another time. Still amazing trip, you know. Strange seeing such a beautiful country in in like Cape Town and George and stuff like that, but in the yeah. situation of COVID, was a, a bit of a different vibe, you know. Mm. We'll go back again and do, and I was supposed to go to Germany too, um, with with my girlfriend Leah um, mm. and another couple called Keelan and Kenny and Sarah Ryan. Sarah was actually on your show, actually, wasn't yeah, she? La- she last was week. last week, we, I think it was. Yeah. So we were due to go to Germany together, wow. uh, which again we'll put off and we'll do that um, next year or something, you know. But um, yeah. I did just in January, February of this year, I did get to go to Canada and um, play with my good friend Mike Sharat, who supported me in my tour in Ireland when I did a national tour for um, for the EP basically release. I kind of did it like eight dates around Ireland and doing some of the top venues like Roisin Dove and Wheelands and stuff like that. But then I went over there and, and he helped me get gigs over there and I was supporting him and had had a just had a great time really to, to be honest it was, yeah. it, was, it was a nice nice gigs a nice country um people people were into it so I came away with a positive experience yeah. overall isn't it fantastic like when you get such a positive experience especially going abroad I know I've heard that the the Germans love any any music from Ireland like they just oh, lap it, it up it like up. It yeah. Up. yeah they can't get enough I just had a little peek there over onto the the Facebook page and I, we have a couple of comments um Tell me to get off the camera. <laughs> All right, see you no, later. actually, um, I th- I don't, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing the name right. It's, is it Evine or Evan? It's a, it's a girl, I think, from the okay. picture. She said, this is really interesting, folks. Think I've learned more about you from this um, in the years we spent together in CSN. Great to hear you. So someone you went to CSN, which was it? Oh, cool. Very good. I'll have to, I don't have the Facebook open, so I'll yeah. have to go check it out after the, the call. And then Ryan Morgan um, asks, how do you convince, I love the way he uses the word yeah. convince, convince people to join you in your project? That's a really good question. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I suppose just tell them how great I am. <laughs> uh, well, no, it's, you, you build up a reputation through, through your gigs and once you, you have some live videos and, um, and you, you, you build up a repertoire of, of good music you know you have to yeah. just have good music basically uh and once you have that you can get people to start joining you you can get uh, you can get the best drummers you can get the best guitarists you can you can you can get people who are just good enough you can you don't need the best you can get someone who's just who you just click with or someone who sounds good and and just ask them nicely and tell them you're going to give them a bit of cash at the end of the day and sometimes you you don't even need that but and when you're when you're up on the higher tier of of musicians um i truly believe in you got to pay everyone for their work so yeah. i would always be paying everybody even even if they didn't even want it or need it i'd be insistent on making sure you're 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 paid for your work you know um oh i got i went blank there now what i was going to say yeah um like with regards to like getting paid for like original music 
like I know when I was in my band we were still at the stage where we only had like a 40 minute set so we were still still playing like band nights and things like that so we, we never played a gig where we like were charged at the door or anything mm-hmm. apart from our album launch, launch and our single launch so like you know and those gigs the venues don't pay you for those gigs at all you're doing a lot of a lot of gigs for free essentially kind of selling your soul a little bit but it's kind of probably part of the process um for most musicians and like how do you how do you kind of manage that you know like what like would you be playing gigs like um you're playing like a headline slot or would you be playing kind of more band nights and things like that you mean in, in terms of being, what kind of original gigs do I actually do? Is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I'm quite selective now in, in, in how, like, the last original real kind of shows I did was, I suppose Canada, yeah. Um, before kind of COVID shut down, I did a good five or six gigs there. Um, but then before that, um, full band gigs, it was, I think September was my tour, so... I I had a, the big blowout then, and from that point on, I was kind of more focused on writing material while you keep this other thing going and spinning on this other plate of having discover gigs go to make sure you can survive and eat and live. But uh, yeah, outside of that, I would probably do a few solo gigs or maybe a two piece gig of of original music, or I might I might throw in a some original small three or four song if I'm in the mood for it, original <clears throat> set within a cover gig, you know, yeah. or if someone asks for it, of course. But yeah, yeah I, I, I don't do too much of it because I, I think it's good to kind of just play play the field right, you know, not just, you can't mm-hmm. play the same Cork City every Saturday night playing your original music because no one's going to want to do that every week and turn up and turn up, you know. You don't want to dilute the scene too much. Yeah. You kind of need to give them a little bit and otherwise it just kind of gets like a... <laughs> Exactly, yeah. To put it bluntly, kind of. That's it, that's it. Yeah, it needs to be kind of more special, like, so that, you know, when they see you, they're they're really into it and they're like, yes, I haven't seen them in ages and I love this music. Um, The first time I heard you singing, I was really blown away. I was like, I think it was up in the Gleason's... um, the song, the the jam, like the, the open jam. jam. Thank, thank you so much. The feeling was mutual. I think I think you sang that night yourself with, oh. with uh, Steve on the guitar. Was, I might have, yeah, was, <laughs> yeah. They're, they're they're good still. Still, even through COVID, we were um, me and Richie and some of the boys have been meeting up over Zoom and and uh, we'd we'd get the guitars out and one because of you can't play at the same time over Zoom with the lags, yeah. so one person will play a song. Everyone else might mute their mute their uh, Mike, Mike and, and they could play along if they wanted to yeah. or they'll just listen and wait for their turn to, to sing a song and then have the chats in between because it's very much a community vibe you know I, mm. I, I, I set, went to Richie and I, I asked him if he wanted to set that up because I, t- I had seen that in y'all there was so many of these open jam or open mic nights it, was, it wasn't so much an open mic night but it was just a lot of people sitting at a table and people would walk come in and someone would sit down and play a song and there was maybe three or four of these going on in, in Yall, where my girlfriend's from. Um, so I thought, bring it to, bring, excuse me, You're all right. bring it to um, uh, Tlamel, where there wasn't anything like in that sense that it was of just sing, singing a normal, a normal song or pop song. But there was other ones that were trad nights. But a lot, there's a lot of musicians who are, who don't know how to play trad or mm-hmm. don't like that sort of thing. So it was great to be able to bring something to the the town that got 
younger musicians involved and just playing sing along with the guitar every every night had different people got five people 10 people turn up so that was a a nice experience to watch people progress over the three years it's been running now every every monday night except for obviously due to covid a bit of a delay in that yeah, I, I really loved going to it. Um, when I first kind of came to Clonmel, like myself and Stephen went to it a lot. And I just loved the kind of vibe. And it was really nice as well for me and for everyone else that was there to network and kind of get to know people. And just, as yeah. you said, the word community, it really, it just had such a lovely feel. Like, you know, and I always thought the ca- all the characters of the town came in and, yeah. you know, it was just, it was really good. And like, there was so many different kinds of um different types of musicians there singing like different songs I heard a guy singing like I think Ed Sheeran one night doing a rap cool. you know there was there was just it was just really really cool and I remember just being so impressed you know with your voice at, at that point I, I didn't know how much kind of experience and things that you had going on behind the scenes but I when I found out I was like oh this is great that he's like kind of doing all this with, with a voice like his thanks and so much um, I know you're probably getting like, can't you shut up now? <laughs> I'm sick of hearing. Oh, no, go on, go on, go on. <laughs> no, but I really, really, really was. I, honestly, I think you're one of the best male vocalists I've heard um, in oh, Ireland. Thanks so much. I really appreciate that. Honestly. Um, and when I first heard you, I remember thinking, I, I don't know if you checked out. Remember you were doing a live and I like requested um, Rufus Rain, Wainwright. Oh, I do remember that. It was one Cigarettes of the and chocolate house. milk. Yeah, yeah, I did. Did you it check it? Did you it check out the song? song? I did. It's a great song, but I didn't actually. Uh, I I did very few um, lives after that. Actually, I I, I only did a, a handful of lives altogether. Mm. But um, it was a good tune. It was a good tune. I t- I just thought your voice was so like his. I checked out. Um, you were saying Foy Vance as well. I've t- I checked him out too, and I can really kind of hear the influence there. I've been yeah, listening sure. to him in a long time. Yeah, he, he was. Uh, he was someone I I was lucky enough to go. We were. I matched him too because I had supported him in in uh, England okay. um but he yeah his 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 voice and his songwriting style got me straight away you know I that's something that he had a big influence in me growing up yeah there's always like certain do you ever sing any Jeff Buckley actually yeah I'm a massive Jeff Buckley fan huge oh, huge his him and I think uh, I was in a conversation the other only the other night I was saying it's it's probably between him and Pavarotti for me are, are some of the two greatest, maybe the two best male vocalists, uh, uh, in my opinion, for uh, Love just how they could portray emotion through a song mm. um, and just their, their range. So they're, they're the two that just really do it for me, you know. So tell me, we'll start wrapping it up now, right, a little bit, okay. but tell me maybe a little bit about your... I suppose your influences for your your EP uh, making shadows and maybe about the process of being in the studio recording and then going on to record a video for one of the songs. Okay, um, so I, I couldn't really speak to influences in particular on mm-hmm. the on the EP because the, it's just the songs that I've written over. I, I just picked out six of say some six of the best songs I've written over the past few years trying to keep it to more some of the more modern ones that I had written more recently um but they've been influenced you know through my my taste in music is extremely broad from rap to classical to whatever you want want to throw at me I'll pro- there's very few stuff that I won't enjoy you know mm-hmm. so I think the majority of that all has an has an influence on me um and to go on then to it was the recording studio with in that 
particular time I was um I was dealing with 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 some with some good friends in in a in, out in uh Blarney um mm-hmm. Stoneview uh Stoneview Studios is what it was called um Keelan Kenny um was the guitarist on some of the tracks and he also worked there so um two boys out, out, out there I I recorded the whole album in maybe two weeks I set myself a a, a deadline of September I said I want to have everything done and ready by September. This is in, say, two, two, three, three months previous to, to September. And I charted out all the songs, got the help of my lecturer in the Cork Academy of Music, um, Oliver C. Keane, um, had him maybe kind of touch up um, two or three of the songs in, in, in a few chords here and there. Um, so that kind of pushed me on to... Getting the the uh, me, the charting all all ready for the musicians who I was going to bring in on onto mm-hmm. it, you know, because there's maybe ten musicians on on the album overall, the six tracks. Um, so that went really well because I was already used to the studio from being in the band Cara, where mm-hmm. who I mentioned before, Warren Tyvey, a great uh, bass player and a really good friend. Uh, he owns a studio called Claycastle um, Recording Studios oh, in yeah, Yall. Um, so I had a fair bit of experience in there. And I, even before that, I had experiences in, in other studios around the country. So that's quite a big thing to be able to not be kind of blown away or scared by the situation and being able mm-hmm. to bring the best out of yourself. Very much like a, look at us right now where, you know, we're both in our bedrooms or where, mm-hmm. and we have mics that can pretty much do a lot of what you can do in this recording studio, of mm-hmm. course, you can't get to the high level of some, mm-hmm. but you can put something together. And that um, that experience went really well. All the musicians I had were all top end, um, already well used and versed in recording. So that went really well. Wrapped it up, had, got the CDs about the week uh, the tour was due to start. Mm-hmm. So I was very lucky Again, they arrived on time. Just in time, you yeah. know. So I, 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 through my whole life, I'd always been like, uh, I don't have the songs yet. Or I always came up with an excuse not to be releasing original material mm. under my own name. This was um, because I'd done stuff through Car or, or whatever, mm-hmm. thrown some stuff online. Bit of a security was, blanket, do you think? <laughs> yeah, um, it was, I think it, it was more, I was more just kind of fear of, uh, yeah. of, even unconsciously so you know I, I i probably i didn't really look into it too much but i just never really got around to doing it yeah. so i did it really fast was really happy with with how it all came out um i'm sure if i spent years on it it could have got a, even better but i didn't want to do that so kind of fast efficient um good product uh bought out and tour tour went quite well um as the video then you were saying so i went on to uh, contact this guy called Ignas um, Iggy. He's a really great um, videographer who and slash director. Um, he had worked with this guy I had seen um, another friend Patrick called from Beyond the Wash. You might have heard him from Cork. Mm. Uh, he had a great great video that like won some awards and you know they put a lot of money into it. So I said to him, "Look, I have a small budget." Um, what can can we do something together for one of the songs? So I I picked the last song, the album, which is the only song that's kind of more stripped back, no drums, mm. just uh, get voice and guitars, and um, 
we said I want to do something for this. So I, I left it up to him, you know. I, I, I wanted to see how he would bring it to life in a way because I would never been in that experience except for been in Cara had done a few things, but it's kind of more just kind of live videos or someone else is always doing it, yeah. you know. So I said to him, you know, he came up with the storyboard and he just came up with the plan. Like he came up with just basically, it's, it's basically quite a simple uh, one woman in a house. And we went out and rented an Airbnb for the day and we uh, we just shot the whole thing in one day. So it was very, very fast. And what came out of it was 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 great for one day's work. Um, yeah. For shooting, obviously, it took him longer than to edit it and mm-hmm. the colouring and everything, like grading, all that it was kind of shot, stuff. I loved the shots of it. Like It, lo- it, was it looks amazing, well. yeah. you know, and it, like it may not be exactly what the story is in the song. You know, the story is, is more so kind of just a, a love story. You know, it's it was, I wrote it kind of as a lullaby, um, trying to uh, just a nice, soft lullaby love story. Um, but where he took the story then was kind of just a woman in a breakup and uh, the possibility at the end, you can see the hand up against the window. Is is there yeah. more to come? But that then would have been boring if if you didn't have a bit of, a bit of gritty to throw into the, the yeah. video. So, yeah, I, I was really happy with how it came out. And, and there's so many other avenues now where I could go to um, to do something for the next video, you know. I think you've got so much, um, you've achieved so much, you know, over the years and you've got a lot going for you and your future is looking bright. Thanks so much. Um, so maybe what what of advice would you give to anyone? Like I know um, Ryan, I think his name was, was asking about putting a band together and you, and you had kind of said, well, basically have some, have a good product so that you can show the people, these potential band members, your your music so they can see what kind of vibe you're going for. Um, so what what advice would you give to somebody who is thinking of pursuing a songwriting career or who just wants to just to get into songwriting or start a band? Any any advice for, for that? Um, for songwriting in particular is um, it's just a craft and you have to write every day. So you have to sit down at a table and write for half an hour about how the sky is blue and how the grass is turning into gravel or how fishes are jumping through your window. Just as I think a good way to start is, um, excuse me, a good way to start is what I like. It's it's like vomiting lyrics. Mm -hmm. So it's where you're just writing and you're, you, you don't stop and you, you're not using punctuation. You're, you're, it's free flow, right? Free flow. Exactly. Um, I, so I think it's it's if you come up with I like it, your with, description better though. Yeah, vomiting lyrics <laughs> yeah. exactly. If you if you come up with a chord progression, say it's sometimes easier if you're a guitarist or a pianist, yeah. and you can have a chord progression and allow that chord progression just to bring you into somewhere for where you're going to write. And you know, and it's it's norm. It's not always going to be good, especially when you're starting off. You just have mm-hmm. to accept the fact that it's going to be quite poor for a long time, mm-hmm. and. Uh, just 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 keep challenging yourself keep bringing it forward because if you don't keep doing it and you stop doing it then it'll it'll dry up like that it's like it's like when you learn to it's like when you learn to sing speaking to ryan there who was my uh teacher who got me that that grade eight and oh, okay. super super um vocal teacher he is um you if you if you stop singing for a while you you, you you'll notice that you're your abilities will will start to decrease and you have to work your way back up to getting them good again. And it's the exact same way with songwriting. If you stop doing it, you'll start to lose that flow or that energy that you're able to bring up and and 
produce a song, you know, is what I think. Yeah, cool. Really good advice. Um, so we'll finish up there, Rory, because I've taken up enough of your time. But thank you so much. I, hope... I enjoyed it. Thank you so much as well. Yeah, Thanks no, it was nice. really nice to kind of kind of hear more about your what you've been up to over the years and what you're what you're up to next. So um, Rory's EP is called Making Shadows. It's on all streaming platforms, I assume. Yeah, Spotify is, yeah. and all the rest. Yeah, and the video that he was talking about it's for a song called One and Only. And I would, if you don't know Rory's music, I would hundred percent just after this finishes go and check it out his voice is just amazing and his lyrics are just so interesting and his band are so talented so check him out Rory I appreciate that thank you so much Rebecca yeah you have no bother at all Rory so thanks so much for listening guys